All right, another episode with the Daily Podcast with me, Eric B. But this time, nothing like what I talked about last podcast when I talked about my invitation to Japan. And if you guys want to listen to that podcast, go to the last podcast that I just put out and that'll tell you everything. But this time, I I watched Dave Chappelle's Netflix special called The Closer. And uh, I want to touch on that just a little bit. So let's get this started. Welcome everyone, it's The Daily Podcast with your host, Eric B. And what I said in the intro, yes, I want to get a little, a little, a little political. I don't know if you want to call it political. We're going to throw some music in the background just because I like having the music in the background. Um, A little political. The only reason why I want to get a little political is because from what he said in The Closer, if you guys don't know what The Closer is, it's a stand-up comedy show that Netflix put out. Um, Dave Chappelle, before this Closer even came out, was already having beef or issues with the transgender community. Transgender community. So if you guys don't know anything about that, follow up on it. Go ahead. I'm not going to school you on what's going on. But Dave Chappelle puts out this special and he kind of wants everyone to know how he feels about the transgender community. So in this in this episode, I'll play maybe a, a clip or two of this episode because it's really touching. Um, and there was a part of this that I didn't think I was going to feel emotional about when I watched this episode. You know, Dave Chappelle's a funny guy. And for you guys who don't know, I met Dave Chappelle more than once. So when I was working at a health club in San Francisco, Dave Chappelle would frequent the hotel that was next to it. So if you guys are from San Francisco, health club next to a hotel, figure that out. And he would come there all the time and he would he would just chat it up. And, you know, if you guys don't know, Dave Chappelle's wife is Filipina or when I met him, at least his wife is Filipina. She still could be the same Filipino lady. I'm not sure. I haven't talked to him in a while, but his wife's Filipino. And whenever I spoke to him, he always would say, you remind me of my brother-in-laws or my wife's family. So we kind of had that together we had that bond right there and he would talk about a lot of things and i think during this time that i met him pacquiao was just fighting i forget who pacquiao was fighting so we were getting into the whole boxing conversation and you know it could have been pacquiao mayweather i I don't know i don't know um you know and him and i saw we saw similarities when it comes came to our conversation you know i said i just want to see a good fight whether pacquiao loses or win i want to see a good fight you know yeah you want to pick for the Filipino guy because he's Filipino and that's like the best thing that happened for the Philippines and he was on the same boat he was like you know what yeah you know I want Pacquiao to win anyways he's a down-to-earth guy he's a real guy he was like there's no issues with him um the way he spoke to me he didn't look down on me he didn't be like why is this regular you know front desk guy just trying to talk to me you know does he know who I am of course I know who you are you know you're 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 Dave Chappelle um And then I left the hotel and went over, I'm sorry, I left the health club and went over next door to the hotel. And the funny thing was the whole, the the health club threw me a going away party and he was invited. That's how cool he was with everybody, the staff that works there, that he came by and he's, you know, he said goodbye. And then his last comment to me when I worked in the hotel was Eric, 
I'll see you on the other side. Which made total sense to me because I'm going, I'm transitioning from the health club to the hotel next door. And, you know, if you guys who listen to the Ordinary Joe's podcast, you guys know that I worked, ho- I worked security at the ho- this hotel and I worked graveyards and we saw a lot of weird things at graveyards. And Dave Chappelle was one of the guys that would come in, you know, like he would come in for a show. Humble guy. He never had security with him. He would just go leave by himself and then come back by himself. I don't know if he had a driver that was waiting for him. I don't know. I, I you know, we did, I didn't stop him, but our conversations continued again when I worked in the hotel. We spoke again and again. We spoke like we were friends that hasn't seen each other in like weeks. You know, our conversation went from, you know, I'll see you on the other side to here I am on the other side. And you know, he treated me like a regular person and he treated everyone that I know like a regular person. He would just speak to you. He would, you know, he would treat you like a person should be treated. And it doesn't matter what, whether you were heterosexual or homosexual, he treated you the way he would want to be treated. So anyways, to get to the story, and you know, I know I'm ranting about me meeting Dave Chappelle, but I just want you guys to know he's a real person. He's a real good guy. He's a family man. He's a, he's a husband. And there was one, there was one clip in the closer. I'm not going to play this clip where he mentions he was at a restaurant and he was just having, you know, snacks or dinner with his wife and somebody came up to him and said, Oh, Hey, are you Dave Chappelle? And you know, Dave Chappelle, you know, him being in the game and him being an actor and a comedian for a while knew what was going on. So he kind of turns around, looks behind him and he sees this person's friend recording Dave Chappelle, you know, and of course they're waiting for him to like throw a rant or, you know, say something stupid so they can get it out to TMZ and TMZ will like, you know, oh, Dave Chappelle was found, you know, doing this and that at this restaurant. That's the struggle about being a celebrity. For you guys who sit here and you guys think it's easy to be a celebrity, easy to be a star, easy to be everything, you know, it's like I feel bad for certain celebrities who can't live a normal life. And when I say I feel bad, I mean like the way they are, the way they're running, the way they have to like do everything in a way where they have to like hide behind. I mean, it's, it's, it's a struggle. It's hard for them. And I really feel bad for a lot of them. You know, you have idiots out here who just wants to find something negative about anyone. Don't even know who this person is. Know this person's a celebrity. But hey, let's take my cell phone out. Let's record a video. Let's taunt the hell out of this person. And let's have this person throw a rage. And let's, you know, put it on TMZ. So TMZ will say, hey, I'll pay you, you know, a million bucks for this show. You're a one-day millionaire because I guarantee if you came from nothing and you get a million bucks, you're going to spend that on some bullshit that you don't need. I guarantee that's what's going to happen to a lot of these people. But yeah, Dave Chappelle lives that life where he has to watch his back on a lot of things. He has to be careful. And, you know, he's he, he made it clear he likes to go out. He likes to drink. He likes to, you know, 
be one with everyone. He doesn't try to hide behind closed doors. He doesn't try to have, you know, like, you know, Grubhub sent to him. Um, he wants to go out. He wants to be part of the community. He lives in, a, in, in Ohio, and he, he mentioned where he lives. He likes to go to certain parts in Ohio and just, again, be one with the community. You know, how hard is that? We lived through 2019 where everything was shut down. Um, we were lucky to even find food if we couldn't, you know, get food delivered to us. We, we were lucky to find food at the grocery store. We were lucky that places like Costco and Safeway was letting us in, you know, they're the real heroes. They're the ones to me, the, the medical workers, the front front um, frontline workers in the ER and ICU and the grocery clerks, the grocery workers from Costco to Target to Safeway. They're heroes to me because they stood there and they worked. So he lived through that 2019 where he had to figure out what can he do. So what does he do? His neighbor has a cornfield. He throws a comedy show there, and he even mentions in this in this episode was he lived some kind of normality doing that. And you know, you us who lived through the, the COVID twenty nineteen, we understand what he's talking about. It was hard for us. We struggled. We didn't know what we wanted to do. We didn't know if we were going to survive COVID. And for people who still live that negativity of, I want to find something on him post it on social media or send it to TMZ so they can pay me money. It's like this guy has to feed his kids too, you know? This guy has to find a way to pay his mortgage. This guy has to find a way to put food on the table, provide for his kids. He's a provider. He's a father, he's a husband, he's a provider. Comedian, actor comes after that. He provides, he's a husband, he's a father, comedian, actor. Those are, I wouldn't say for, for everyone, not just Dave Chappelle, but for everyone, actors, actresses, that's what they do. That's the, that's the line, you know, for you guys who, who think that Dave Chappelle is all about himself and you know what he says, um, he mentions in this, you guys got to watch the closer. I'm giving you guys spoilers on, on the, uh, the closer, so I apologize. But he mentions, you know, the transgender community is a little sensitive. And I grew up in San Francisco. I grew up in the 70s and 80s where homosexuality was kind of forbidden, right? You couldn't, you couldn't be gay. You couldn't come out and say, I'm gay. You couldn't. It was, it was not easy for a lot of people to say I'm gay. Again, I grew up in the seventies and eighties, you know, it's like, you know, but in San Francisco growing up in the seventies and eighties, you saw them everywhere. You knew who they were. Not all of them. Some of them, you knew who they were because one, we have an area called the Castro district. And if you went through the Castro district, that's, you know, that's where they all hung out. And, and let me get something straight for you guys before you start ranting on me. There's not one homophobic blood in me. Not at all. You know, I have friends that are gay. I have friends that are gay. It's all I got. Friends, I got good friends that are gay. I have a friend that, that I call a really good friend that is gay. Um, and, you know, they're lesbians and gay. So I'm, I'm really close to a lot of them. I'm not... I'm not homophobic, so don't you guys start saying, oh, you're homophobic. I'm not. 
And I'm going to get to the point in a minute. I grew up, like I said, in San Francisco. I like this song. I grew up in San Francisco. I went to a high school called George Washington High School. Believe it or not, George Washington High School growing up was kind of conservative. You had your Asians. You had your, your whites. You had your blacks. You had your others. And when I say others, these were the kids that didn't relate to any of that group that I just mentioned. You had your jocks. You had your jocks. You had your ROTC group of people. You had that. And if you grew up in the 80s, went to high school in the 80s in San Francisco, you guys know what I'm talking about. A lot of the schools were self-segregated. You know, it's like, well, you found who you wanted to hang out with and you hung out with them. You know, and that's just how it was. I don't know if that's how it is still, but that's how it was when I went to high school. Went to George Washington High School. Cool high school. It was like, you know, back then we had 4,000 people you know, a thousand in each class from freshman to senior year. In the late 80s, 88, 89, up to the year that I graduated, two kids decide they want to start a club. They want to start a club, not a chess club, not a, you know, debate club. They wanted to start a gay and lesbian club. And ironically enough, they were twin brothers and sisters who just happened to be gay. Yeah, you know, when you're in high school, you, you know, you're one of those ignorant kids that makes fun of them. Um, they're like, oh, they're gay. It's like, you know, I was not one of those kids. I didn't care, you know, whether you were gay or not. If you, you know, we had a couple, we had, my high school had the first female football player that played for us. She went to Wallenberg. And played football for us. And, you know, she didn't, she didn't look like a female. She didn't. You know, she looked like a dude, but she was a girl that wanted to play football. Yeah, so we gave her our lickings, you know, when she, she came on. We, we gave her what she needed to do to play football. We didn't sugarcoat it for her. We hit her. We hit her hard. We told her this is how it's going to be when these guys from other schools see you. They're going to hit you harder than we are. She survived what we did. So she gained our respect. She did. She gained our respect. We, 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 you know, from, from the year that she came on to the year she left, she was part of our team. She was a player. She was a George Washington high school football player. She wasn't the female that played for George Washington high school football player. She wasn't even the lesbian that played for George Washington high school football player. She was a George Washington High School football player. That's how we looked at her. She gained our respect. We totally respected her for everything she did. So, my high school was the first high school to have a gay and lesbian club. And it kind of outed people who weren't ready to be outed. So, there was kind of a struggle between some kids joined the club to support the kids who were trying to come out, trying to transition into coming out to tell the world that they're gay. 
And those kids who weren't gay, all of a sudden was associated of being gay. And, you know, I heard, you know, again, I hung out with the jocks. I hung out with the, the, the people who helped me with homework. I hung out with the Asian people. And I saw every direction of the banter that this small club was trying to do. And I kind of, you know, I, 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 I defended them in a way where I'm like, hey, what's the difference between them being like in a chess club? Everyone knows the chess club. And the only reason why I say chess club is because chess club, they don't like to go outdoors. They like to stay indoors. They like to play chess. So I just said, what's the difference between them and the chess club? Chess club does not want to go out. They just want to stay indoors all day. So why are we, you know, bantering and making fun of this group of people who just want to express who they really are. And it's funny because I was one of those kids growing up who, when I found out the twins were gay, in a way I was relieved that they came out because they already were showing the signs of, you know, what they were. You know, back then you could call it preppy, you could call it mod. You know, they had that mod or goth look back then. Preppy, mod, goth, whatever you want to call it. You know, they were dressed to the T. You know, like they, they were well-dressed. And we thought they just had rich parents. That's all it was. We thought they had rich parents. But no, they were, they were very, very open to what they were. And, you know, I, again, I didn't have an issue with them. I was happy they did that. I was proud to say my high school was the first high school to have a gay and lesbian club. I think now it's called gay, lesbian, bisexual. I, I think that's what it's called or could be the LGBTQ. It could be that. I, I don't know if it's still there, but, you know, back in the 80s and 90s or back in the 80s up to the 1990, it was there. So back to Dave Chappelle. So that's just letting you know that I have no ill will for the gay community. I have coworkers that are gay that I'm very, very, very close with that, you know, if I can talk to a gay person and feel comfortable talking to them, whether it's, hey, did you watch that football game yesterday? Or whether it's, you know what, I'm having bad relationship issues. Oh, you know what, me and my partner, we did this together last night. You know, I'm not one of those guys that's like, who, who don't tell me, I don't want to hear it. No, because this human being is reaching out to me, asking me for my advice. So I'm not going to be one of those, you know, Republican dicks and be like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear the story of your lightsabers going. I don't want to hear, you know, I'm not like that. No, I want to, you know, I want to help you. You were strong enough to me, strong enough for me to ask me for help. So I want to be strong for you to try to help you. So bottom line is what I'm trying to say is I'm very, very open when it comes to the gay community. I am very open. I have no issues with them whatsoever. They do what they want to do. They can do, you know, everything that they do and they do. And I'm very happy 
with the friends that I have that are out, that are, you know, doing their thing. I'm very, you know, it's like, I'm proud that you guys are out. I'm proud that you guys are comfortable with who you are. I'm happy that you're comfortable for who you are. I am. I'm very happy. But Dave Chappelle, somewhere down the line, triggered the transgender community. And he even does mention in his show, he has no issues with the transgender community. He mentions that he's jealous because in the short term, transgenders have more rights than the African-Americans has that they've been trying to do for 100 years. You know, and if you guys don't know what that is, look it up. I mean, I, I kind of understand what Dave Chappelle was coming from or what he was talking about. Yeah, and in, in the short term, the transgender community developed more rights than certain ethnic groups have. You know, and in a way, for some, th- for some reason, Dave Chappelle was jealous over that. And I totally understand why. I'm a Filipino man living in San Francisco, you know, and sometimes I, I'm still looked at as, as an Asian, you know. No, I'm Filipino. No, you're Asian. No, no, I'm Filipino. You know, so so I I understand where where he's coming from, and again, I have no issues with with the transgender community. Man, I like to go to AJSF. If you guys don't know what AJSF is, it's a bar in San Francisco. Where they have, I'm not sure if they're transgender or if they're just cross-dressers. Women, men that likes to perform in women's out, in women's clothing. It's kind of like the birdcage. If you guys watched Robin Williams' uh, show, The Birdcage, this is kind of how AJSF is. And it's a fun environment. It's a fun place. It's a cool place to visit. Um, if you have no homophobic whatsoever, go visit that place visit that place trust me it's a fun place to visit it's it's cool and if you grew up in san francisco if you're from san francisco you shouldn't have any homophobic whatsoever in you you shouldn't you shouldn't you should be comfortable with who you are what you have you should be shame on you if you're homophobic and you grew up in san francisco move to nebraska move somewhere out there but yes dave Chappelle mentions how he's jealous of the transgender community. And I see why. I see why, you know, in the in a short span, you know, they develop more rights than what the African Americans who's been here a long time, a lot longer than transgender that we know at least, they've, you know, they're still trying to get their rights, their equal rights. You know, this is the first year. 2020 was the first year that they finally acknowledged Juneteenth as a holiday. You know, they finally acknowledge that Juneteenth is now a holiday. And what's kind of ironic is Juneteenth falls on June 19th, which is also Pride Month. At least here in San Francisco, it's Pride Month. It's kind of ironic because, you know, Dave Chappelle talks about how you know, the the struggle of the, the black community and the struggle that they're trying to go through and all that. So, he's a little envious of them. I understand why. 
But for them, the community to be bashing him and saying this and that and that and this, you know, he's not, he's not, he's not, what did he say? He said he's not, he, he's, he's a little homophobic, but not really kind of something. I forgot what he says. Watch the show. He says it. But I want you guys to listen to a clip of what he says. He has a good friend by the name of Daphne Dorham, who's also transgender, who's from San Francisco, that Dave Chappelle asked to open a show for him. And this is Dave Chappelle talking. She grabbed me real tight, hugged me, squeezed me, and I pushed her off violently because I'm transphobic. Transphobic, that's what he says. Transphobic, he says. But listen, listen, listen. Let me. I don't want the whole thing. When Sticky Stones came out, a lot of people in the trans community were furious with me, and apparently they dragged me on Twitter. I don't give a fuck because Twitter's not a real place. <laughs> this right here, this is very touching and heartwarming. And the hardest thing for a person to do is go against their tribe if they disagree with their tribe. But Daphne did that for me. She wrote a tweet that was very beautiful. And what she said was, and it's almost exactly what she said. She said, punching down on someone requires you to think less of them. And I know him, and he doesn't. He doesn't punch up, he doesn't punch down, he punches lines, and he's a master at his craft. That's what she said. I agree. I agree. He's a really funny comedian. Very funny comedian and a good person. Beautiful tweet. Beautiful friend. It took a lot of heart to defend me like that. And when she did that, the trans community dragged that bitch all over Twitter. (laughs) For days, they was going in on her, and she was holding her own because she's funny. But six days after that wonderful night I described to you, my friend Daphne... Killed herself. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's a true story. My heart was broken. So, 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 see? It's bad enough that you have a transgender who's trying to defend someone who's not part of that community. Someone who's not you know, part of that community. And you're also trying to develop who you are, trying to show the world who you are, try to be comfortable with who you are, with what you are. But then after that, the community just went off on this person. I don't know what they said. I don't know what they said. I don't know how they said it. But it was bad enough to make Daphne jump out of a building and commit suicide. And the worst part about that is Daphne has a child that she left behind. She has a child that she left behind. And Dave Chappelle said he started a trust fund for Daphne's child. I think he said daughter. And when she turns 21, he wants to hand the money over to Daphne's daughter. 
And he mentions, because that's what human beings do. We help each other. We don't kick each other when we're down. We don't punch down. We don't do any of this. So, you know, for for Netflix, the Netflix employees to say, cancel him, take a show out, do all this stuff. Why are you doing that to someone who's just being a provider, a father, and a husband? That's like you going into Starbucks and that poor barista makes a mistake on your drink. You know, I don't know, puts an extra shot of caramel or does whatever. And then you go off on that person, that poor barista, to where they get fired. You have people like that. You have people that won't stop till they get their way. They won't stop till that person that made a mistake gets fired. We don't know what people's going through in their heads. We don't. We could be happy on the outside, but hurting on the inside. And then it takes that one person, that one person, the one community, the one sentence to push us over the edge and want to kill ourselves. And for that community to go after her because he was defending a person. And, you know, Dave Chappelle mentions Daphne was her friend. If you have Dave Chappelle's cell phone number and you can text each other back and forth and he'll call you, he calls you whenever he's in the city. I consider that a good friend. You know, so if I ever see Dave Chappelle again, will he remember me? I don't know. I was bald headed. I was a lot bigger back then. So I don't know if he'll remember me, but I know he remembers our conversation. I, I know he'll remember who I am from the conversations that we had. So for you guys who are like, don't watch Dave Chappelle's closer. Let's boycott Netflix till they take this out. He addressed the issue in this TV show or in this 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 stand-up, The Closer. He addressed the issue. He called out the community, transgender community, said he would, wouldn't mind speaking to them. He wouldn't mind speaking to them. He'll speak to them under conditions. You know, he wouldn't. Yeah, some of you guys think... Oh, he's too rough. You know, he says things too much. He says bitch too much. He does this too much. When did comedy stop being funny? When did comedy stop being funny? We'll go back to Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Bill Cosby, Red Fox. We'll go back to the pioneers who planted the seed for someone like Dave Chappelle. And they were saying this way back then. And back then, there was no hold bar on what you can say about any community. Any community. Eddie Murphy was saying 
the F word. And I'm not talking about, you know, the four letter F word. I'm talking about the three letter F word that the gay community does not like. Because back then it was okay to say, it wasn't okay to say, but people weren't sensitive when they heard it. Dave Chappelle mentions in this closer that the new types of gays this time are a little more sensitive than the old school gays. And I totally agree with that. I agree with that 100%. You know, I do. I agree with that. I have old school gay friends and I have new school gay friends. The old school gay friends I can mess with. I can talk about, you know, if you're a guy, I can talk to you and, and be straight with you and, and, you know, talk normal to you, talk to you like a guy and not have to worry about how sensitive your feelings are. If you're a girl, you're a lesbian, same thing. I can talk to you like a person and not have an issue with your sexuality. You won't throw that, you know, gay card on me. You won't. You'll treat me the, I mean, the only difference with a lesbian is like if a pretty girl walks into a store, we're both going to be staring. That's the only difference, right? But with these new school, they always have to throw in, is it because I'm gay? Is that why you're treating me that way? Your sexuality has nothing to do with the conversation that I'm having with you. Nothing. Nothing. Your sexuality has nothing to do with how I'm treating you, how I'm talking to you. I will treat you just like the heterosexual that's sitting next to you. The Asian, the black, the Muslim, the Jewish person that's sitting next to you. I'll treat you all the same way. No special nothing. Nothing. I mean, mind you, I'll be a little sensitive. You know, you know, if you're Muslim, I'm not going to ask for you a bacon sandwich because I know you can't eat it. Got to be a little sensitive. Got to be a little smart. You got to be a little sensitive with what, how you say things and you know, and and how things are. But then I understand what Dave Chappelle meant. That this new community is a little more sensitive. But I still accept them for who they are. I still accept them for what they are. You know, if that's how you want to live your life, more power to you. I'm not going to say, why? Have you ever done this before? Have you ever been? I'm not going to ask you that. If that's what you want to do and that's the lifestyle you want to live, I'm here to support you 110%. But for... The transgender community to go down on Dave Chappelle and to have Dave Chappelle pretty much, you know, want Netflix to stop his his episode, wants Netflix to pull all of Dave Chappelle's show off of Netflix. I don't think that's cool. Because he's doing this for us to entertain us. He's doing this to provide for his family. He's doing this to provide for his kids and his wife and to make sure they're taken care of. Where you have some of those people who are doing everything they can 
to mess up his everything. To mess everything up that he's built, to mess everything up that he's created. They want that one video to go viral so he can lose everything. Dave Chappelle's a smart man. You, you guys should know that. He's a smart man. He's a smart man. He dropped $50 million, left $50 million on the table. And he even used this in his show. He said, the only difference with me is he got off the bus and left $50 million on the bus. Because Comedy Central was trying to do what he didn't want to do. So he said, you can have your money. Chappelle's show was a popular show. Chappelle's show was kind of what put him, I don't want to say put him on the map because he was already on the map, but it just made things funnier. You know, we, we got the, the Rick James, you know, I'm Rick James, you know, we got the I'm rich, bitch. We got all that from the Chappelle show. But he left $50 million. How many people can, can you say will leave $50 million on the table because he wants to make sure his family is taken care of the right way? I applaud him for that. I do. I applaud him for that. I applaud him for everything that he's done. I applaud him for everything that he's going through. And, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle, if you listen to this, I got your back. I got your back. Yeah, I'm not a comedian. I can't get on stage and open for you. I could. I'll probably bomb like Daphne did in her first try. You guys go watch The Closer. If you have Netflix, watch The Closer. It's a very, 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 very... It's heartwarming. He does say some stuff that might make you females like, but he makes a point at the end of the show. He makes a point. He does. And for someone like Daphne Dorman, Daphne Dorman, San Franciscan comedian, San Francisco comedian, transgender comedian. There's this, See, there's this article here. Let me see if, if I can play this article. What's crazier than Pizzagate? Of course, it's an ad. So, I mean, you know, how hard is that? You're, you're sitting here. She's trying to provide for her daughter, trying to give her daughter probably things that she didn't have growing up. She gets bashed on Twitter. She's trying to find herself. But the community that she thought was going to, you know, Invite her in with open arms is bashed on her. And the one person Dave Chappelle, backed by family of late transgender comedian Daphne Dorman from The Closer. By Cheyenne Roundtree. The family of Daphne Dorman, the late transgender comedian who Dave Chappelle highlights in his new Netflix special, The Closer, say he's an LGBTQ ally and meant the world to her. Cheyenne Roundtree. It didn't take long for Dave Chappelle's sixth Netflix stand-up special The Closer which dropped early Tuesday morning, to have critics and some fans shaking their heads by the afternoon. Anyways, that's just talking about how, you know, he he helps um, Daphne and how Daphne ends up committing suicide. But again, she was just trying to provide. She was trying to be a provider. She did something. 
that she wanted to do. She wanted to do stand-up comedy as a transgender. But the community that she thought that was going to be there for her turned their back on her. Poor lady jumped off a building, probably here in San Francisco, because the community that she thought had her back didn't. That's sad. The one family that you thought can be there for you turned their back on you. But the one family member that you would not expect to be there for you was there for her until after her death is still there for her. Props to you for that, Dave Chappelle. Props to you for that. Taking care of her daughter while she's not here. Props to you for that. And the transgender community is mad at him because of the little things that they say about their community. It's comedy. It's comedy. I gone through a whole 2019 of coronavirus, 2019, 2020 of Asian hate. Walking down the street, having to look over my shoulder, having kids get on the bus. My kids get on the bus, making sure to tell them, if this happens to you, walk away. That's what I'm going through right now. Yes, I understand that it's difficult. Yes, I understand that we're trying to, you know, live the life that we want to live. Live, live the life that we chose to live. But at the same time, we got to love everybody that we have. We got to love the humans that's around us. Humans. I'm not saying gays, transgender, hetero, homosexual. I'm not saying any of that. We got to love everybody for who they are. Hell, I do. Again, I grew up in San Francisco. I'm still in San Francisco, the most diverse city in the world. Well, maybe not in the world, but at least here in the Bay Area, the most diverse city in the Bay Area. I can go any district here in San Francisco and I can tell you what groups of people live there and I'll be comfortable going there. I'll go to the Mission. Mission used to be a tough neighborhood. Say used to be. It's not anymore. Kind of, sort of, but not anymore. But I, used to, I go to the Mission, I get a burrito. You want some good pho, some good pho? Go to the Tenderloin. They got some good Vietnamese restaurants in the Tenderloin. Tenderloin's not a good neighborhood, but I'll still go there. You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where this poor guy, Dave Chappelle, he's not poor, but you know what I'm talking about. He's doing what he can for his family. He's providing for his family. He's supporting his family. And you got that one group that wants to take it all away from him. More power to you, Dave Chappelle, for standing your ground. More power to you for being who you are, being real. And that's what I love about this guy. He's real. He's real. So that's my rant. I mean, it's just, I just wanted to let you guys know that if you watch the closer, listen to what he says. 
pay attention to what he says. Don't be distracted by looking at your phone. It's an hour and 12 minutes, probably just an hour if you take away the intro and the, the, the ending part. If you take that away, it's probably an hour or under an hour. But listen to what he says. Put your phone down for an hour. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. Again, I'm not here to try to offend anybody. If you're offended, I apologize. I'm not here to try to tell you that you're right, you're wrong. I'm not. I'm nearly right, but I'm nearly wrong as well. But I'm just trying to tell you, in order for us to succeed in whatever we want to be or however we want to do things in life, we have to embrace each other for who we are, what we are, what we're trying to be and who we're trying to be. You know, that's what we need to do. We need to stop looking down on people because, you know, you only have 1,700 subscribers on YouTube. I have 3 million, so I'm not going to follow you. You know, we got to stop doing the whole, your podcast, you don't, you know, you don't have these many people that listen to your show. So why do I want to be on your podcast? Yeah, that's what I'm going through right now. That's what I'm going through right now. People are looking down on me because I'm not that podcaster. I'm not the Joe Rogan that they want to be on. What people don't realize, those big time podcasters, that you want to be on, they charge you to be on their show. I'm the opposite. I'm just trying to plug you, trying to give you the opportunity to tell your story, share your light. So that's the one thing we got to start doing. We got to stop looking at each other for what can I value from this person? What can this person give me That'll make me successful. We got to start looking at it as I'm here to help you. I'm here to do what I can to help you succeed. And the people that I had on Marvel, that was on the Marvel series, the people that I had on my show, my, my, my vlogs, my podcast, those people were probably, you know, from Amor Owens, Eugene Cordero, Aaron Bielner, Salem Murphy, and my very first one, Jane Rambawa. Even Joey Gilla. When I, when I told them, thank you. Thank you for being on my show. Thank you for doing this. They all said the same similarity things to me. I'm here for you. I'm here to help you succeed. Whatever I can do to help you succeed, I'm here to do. Oh my God, these guys were like, they went from one minute you're on TV to the next minute I consider you guys friends for saying that. And I still do keep in touch with these guys. I still keep in touch with them. I say hi to them. 
you know, I throw them a text once a week just to make sure that they still remember who I am. But that's the kind of humbling experience we need in this world. Just because you made it to the top doesn't mean you stop looking down. Because at one point, whatever you have up there can come back down. So we got to start loving each other, guys. Loving each other for who we are, what we are. Giving each other the opportunity to be who we are, what we are. Accept us for who we are, what we are. And support us in what we do, what we want to do. Whether it's something so far-fetched. But as long as you have that passion and drive. For you guys who has a dream... Follow up that dream. Continue that dream. No matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult you think it's going to be, follow up. Do it. Do it. I'm podcasting. I don't have a lot of, you know, groups that listens to me, but I have enough. A friend of mine, when I first started vlogging, was so fearful because he was afraid only one person would watch his 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 videos, his show. He was afraid. He's like, dude, what if only one person watches my show? I said, one's better than zero. Trying is better than wondering. Because if you're sitting there wondering, what would happen if I started a YouTube channel versus, hey, I have a YouTube channel, come watch it. You're already successful for trying. That one viewer is already success because one is better than zero. So if you guys have dreams out there and you guys want to pursue it, do it. Do it. Dave Chappelle gave Daphne Dorman a shot. Even though Dave Chappelle said she bombed. But Dave Chappelle created a friendship that was everlasting. That he never thought he would have a transgender friend. But he did. He gave it a shot. Became good friends with her. And now the community is bashing him. Please don't bash me. Just a small-time podcaster, small-time YouTuber. Please don't bash me. But if you guys want to come on the show and share your story, please, be more than happy to get you on the show. More than happy to get you on the show. Share your story. Share everything like that. Again, I have no ill will on anyone. Not homophobic, not transgenderphobic, not any of that. I love you for who you are, and I love you for, you know, what you're trying to do with your life and what you're trying to accomplish. And I'd be more than happy to share that story with you guys. Share that story for you guys if you guys want to do it. But that's it. That's enough for my rant. That's enough for my ramble. I had fun doing this. This was fun. And again, you know, don't don't you guys come up to me and say, oh, you believe in everything Dave Chappelle says and all that stuff. He's a comedian. I watch his stuff to unwind. I watch his stuff because I want to be entertained. It's kind of like watching football. You know, I want to be entertained. I want to laugh. I want to be, you know, entertained. You know, I do. He's no different then if I, you know, you know, if I put on someone says, well, Joe Coy doesn't say anything, stuff like that. No, but Joe Coy makes fun of Filipinos. 
He makes fun of us. You don't see Filipinos standing outside the Chase Center making, you know, you know, stop bashing Filipinos. No, because it's funny. It's funny when comedians can stand there and make fun of their own heritage. It's funny. It's funny. Even for someone like Russell Peters, who's Indian, but makes fun of Filipinos. You don't see Filipinos outside his show saying, you saw making fun of Filipinos. No, because he does it in a way where it's funny. It's funny. You know, it's funny. It's a funny, funny act. And it's comedy. Joey Gillis said, laughter is medicine. But if you're going to come to a comedy show and your eyes are already shut, the doors are already closed, and you're not already sitting there giving it a shot, you're not going to like it. So don't come to the show. Easy as pie, don't come to the show. But again, this has been fun. Um, I don't even know if I want to say. Don't forget to support me on Patreon. I leave links to my Patreon down below, um, my Venmo. Uh, thank you guys for who donated to my Venmo account at ericb1642. Thank you guys for that. I totally appreciate that. Um, when you guys leave me anything on Venmo, leave me something to where I can get a hold of you via, you know, like leave me a private message because I want to send you guys things. You guys who have been sending me things on Patreon, I want to send you guys a little something um, as a thank you for, for doing that. So, um, I'm sorry, on Venmo, please go ahead and leave me like an address or something like that where I can send something back for you guys. Um, for you guys who are on Patreon, um, anything more than three bucks, I will definitely send you guys something monthly. Um, and then follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I leave all that in down below. But, you know, that's that's been it. Again, this is just a little rant, a little something that I have to get off my chest. Watch the show. Don't Don't have a closed mind, guys. Don't. All right, guys, thanks for listening. The podcast has ended. Go in peace.